The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 216 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. It's going to be a short introduction for me. Bryce, you had a family wedding in Colorado, which we discussed last week, and it's very rare that we get to interact with people who truly brush with greatness. Um, but you not only had someone, you only not only interacted with somebody who interacted with greatness, you interacted with somebody who interacted with someone, that was a lot of interactions on my end, who was so great that when we did our all-time teams last week, I think he was on both our teams, right? Maybe he was just nope, on mine? Just yours. Well, to me, he's an all-time great. Baseball's greatest flamethrower, in my opinion, uh, Nolan Ryan, and I will... Give it to you from here to tell the PG-13 version of what happened to you at the wedding. Uh, All right. Well, let's, let's slow Involving down. Nolan Ryan. <laughs> the mother of the bride. So this would be my cousin Allie's mom. Allie's dad being my dad's cousin. So super different, distant relative. We were at the rehearsal dinner, and my cousin Teddy has no, no qualms asking people about their personal life. So somehow, very early on in the conversations with this woman, I'm not even going to say her name out of respect for her. I guess it's pretty obvious, though. But whatever, point being. People don't know your family, so it, it's fine. That's Just carry fair. on. Eyes on the prize. She dated Nolan Ryan. Crazy. And Nolan Ryan is married to Ruth Ryan. This woman came in her life, came in, no, her path crossed with Nolan's. When he and Ruth were on a break. And this woman told Nolan, you're not over her. Go back to Ruth. That needed to be a part of the documentary. Having seen the Nolan Ryan documentary, they did not obviously include that. They just focused on the fact that Nolan and Ryan have been a happy couple. Or Nolan, Nolan and, Ruth. and Ruth have been a happy couple since high school. Um, so slightly misleading narrative, I now know. But that's a unique story that you can only get on a podcast like this. We kept saying throughout the wedding that she handled Nolan Ryan's heaters. It's the Nolan Ryan. It's it's the rom com part of the Nolan Ryan life. It's in every part of a rom com. Eventually, the girl says, "You're not over such and such. Go back to her." And then, it's like they make fun of it in the movie uh, Friends with Benefits. They play Closing Time by Semi Sonic, not Third Eye Blind, as they describe in the film. And there's a beautiful hug, kiss, and make out. And in that scene, they end up doing it on a uh, diner booth uh, at Pershing Square. So There was another celebrity run-in in her life, and she, we have, I can't even say the celebrity's name. I'll write it on a, on a, on a note for Chase, so he knows it, but uh, this is another rumored one of her old things. I'm going to just leave it and say that your family member might have the deepest connections to the state of Texas that I've ever heard, and we'll leave it at that. She's kind of a big deal. I mean... She, um, no, the, she, of the bravado over under for my family members having relationships with celebrities, um, 
I was probably 0.5 heading and just like hearing stories about it. It was 0.5, and between this woman and then Crazy Uncle Lavid and his connections to the serpent, watch that serial killer documentary on Netflix. Um, it was three. In the meantime, we will jump in with our BovadaSportsbook.com picks of the week. Uh, three games all amongst playoff teams this week, or today I should say. Start the Blue Jays and the Rays. Uh, I don't know T. Kelly on the Rays. I actually have to click this game to see. Feels like an opener. Feels like an opener. They still don't have his name. So Chris Bassett and the Blue Jays. Bassett working a 24 game, 24 inning scores inning streak. Minus one and a half, plus 150, minus 108 for the Blue Jays. Plus one and a half, minus 182, minus 108 for the Rays. Give me Blue Jays minus 108. They were pissed off against the Yanks last week. Didn't have a chance to fully redeem themselves. Rays are still playing great ball, but are not scorching hot anymore. And Chris Bassett's been a godsend for me and fantasy team. So let's, or on my fantasy team. So let's ride the Bassett train while it's hot. Blue Jays minus 108. I kind of like the over here. Just because I, whenever Tampa loses, I want to bet them to win. They win a lot, so they don't get this opportunity often. Uh, but I don't like them going with the bullpen game against a good Toronto lineup. So the over at nine, maybe buy it down to eight and a half. But I feel like they have this team here over. Next game we're going to go with is the Dodgers visiting the Braves. Gavin Stone, one of their top prospects, pitching for the Dodgers. Chuck Morton, old reliable for the Braves. Plus one and a half, minus 162, plus 126 for the Dodgers. Minus one and a half, plus 134, minus 148 for the Braves. Dodgers had a bad loss against the Cardinals yesterday. Kershaw got hit pretty hard for the first time all year. Um, all that said, though, that lineup against a rookie pitcher, even one with the pedigree of Gavin Stone. Going Braves, minus one and a half, plus 134. Prop bet of the day is Sean Murphy to hit a home run. I'll agree with the Braves minus one and a half pick. I wouldn't take Murphy. If it's Is this his first start? Stone? I don't know if it's his major league debut. I think he's pitched this year. I would When that happens, Braves to score in the first inning. They'll either, he'll either shut him. He's either going to shut him down all game or the Braves just jump him early. Like Acuna Homer first run. Last game we're going to pick is Astros and the Brewers. Christian Javier, Corbin Burns. Minus one and a half, plus 150, minus 116 for the Strohs. Plus one and a half, minus 182, minus 102 for the Brewers. I think this is going to be my lock of the day. Minus one and a half, plus 150 for the Strohs. Uh, Brewers have been scuffling a little bit of late. Cardinals picked up some big games in the division this week in the NL Central. And I love Christian Javier. And it's been Boo Earns rather than Burns more often than none this year. I, I, the Astros lineup's getting going. Abreu finally homered this week, in fact. Oh, he did. Not when we took him, but, it, you know, seven or eight, seven, about seven weeks into the season. Better late than never. I'm actually going to take Boo Earns here at home because I've been set. My big theme of the offseason was that Burns to the Astros deadline deal. So I think this is going to be his audition tape. It's reasonable enough. Moving to the standings, Tampa Bay Rays 34 and 14, uh, two and a half up on the Orioles 31 and 16. Yanks 29 and 20, five and a half back. I'm gonna uh, let everybody know in advance. It's not deliberately a Yankee-heavy podcast this week, but the Yankees made a lot of the notable news this week. So this is gonna be our most Yankee-centric episode in a while. So we won't talk about them too much in the standings. Red Sox 26 and 21, seven and a half out. Blue Jays all of a sudden now are in last place, 25 and 22. Eight and a half games back. I want to say a couple things about this division at large. So when you look at the standings across all Major League Baseball, the Rays have the best record in baseball. The Orioles have the second best record in baseball. Which is crazy. The Yankees have the sixth best record in baseball. Red Sox are ninth. 
Blue Jays are 12th. So all five teams are in the top 40% of Major League Baseball teams. If you could get five teams in from the playoffs, I believe all five teams would be right around there. If not in it, there's just not enough spots. We knew the balanced schedule, the AL East, was going to probably be impacted the most because as a division, we just for years and years and years have beaten the crap out of each other. Um, But I I didn't expect it to come out in force this much. This is unbelievable so far. It's Baltimore being the second best team. So that was going to be be my question. Around 50 or so games in, what do you think we would have gotten longer Bavada odds on the Rays to be the best team in baseball or the Orioles to be the second best team in baseball? Orioles second best, not even even close. This Baltimore team, I thought they were going to regress. I thought they kind of got lightning in a bottle last year. The pitching's still not very good, too, which is what makes it incredible. I mean, the bullpen's amazing. The bullpen? But the starting pitching... They're almost feeling. I don't think this Baltimore team is gonna go places, but they're almost trending like that. Um, that fourteen fifteen Royals, where they just have so so starters, an unbelievable bullpen. I don't know if they give me the same small ball feel though. Maybe that's just because Adley hits the crap out of the ball. But they got Cedric CJ. They got Mullen. Cedric Mate, uh, Jorge Mate. I mean, they have a lot of guys who steal bags. Yeah, I, I mean the AL East is fascinating and. Uh, one thing I will say as a Yankee fan, coming into the month was probably as pessimistic as I felt about the Yankees in a very long time. Last 10 games, 8-2, and 6-7 this week, took 3-4 or four against Toronto, swept the Reds, got Sevy back. A lot of other news happened, you know, both, in, uh, we've lost some players this week, both of our own choosing and some by the umpire's choosings, but right now as a Yankee fan, all things considered, I feel fantastic. We kind of right at the ship. And Aaron Judge, oh, I checked out in Colorado, Bavada had him at plus 800 for MVP. Aaron Judge, I... It's, I think he's officially, like, just... I, I don't know what it is. This is... I mean, I'll jump ahead real quick in the player of the week. Um, Judge, in his last seven games, and in, in typical fashion, we sat him yesterday in the series finale against the Reds with an off day today. Last seven games, five home runs, 12 RBIs, 444, 559, 1.074 slugging, seven runs, 12 hits. Uh, he had a two-homer game and a 7-4 win against the Blue Jays Monday. He had another home run later in the series against Toronto to pass Ori Posada for the most home runs ever against the Blue Jays in baseball history. Saturday goes 4-4 four for four in an extra innings win. Um, they were 5-1 and one to start the road trip, and he had the game-winning RBI in all five wins, which no other player has done in the last 50 years. Uh, and he joined Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth as the only Yankees with 7-plus homers and 7-plus walks in any seven-game span. He right now... And this might be a crazy take, but having watched most of the games this week, he looked more locked in this week than he did at any point during the MVP season last year, in my opinion. I think that's what I was trying to say. When Judge is, is Judge the best player in baseball? He he's not brought up as the best player in baseball. I think Otani is still the best player in baseball, but I think is Judge the best hitter in baseball. I think Judge is the best position player in baseball. I mean, at a minimum, he's the guy that when he's hot, I want to pitch to him the least. Because you showed in that, because you showed in that Reds game, he's so evolved as a hitter where he's not just that home run guy anymore. Uh, he had to go ahead RBI, he just hit a single to left field. Yeah, but when he hits homers, it's oh, sick. it's majestic. But uh, point being, a special week from Judge, and yeah, I, I think if the season ended today, it's if it's between him, Randy, probably because you got to give it to O'Reilly. I'd say it's between him, Randy, Otani, and I'm proud that I get to say this one, Marcus Simeon. Ha. 
Simeon has been really good. And before you say Chase, you're being a homer, no. I would say, first of all, I included three other guys with the Yankee. Simeon already has a three-war, seven homers, 305 I thought average. you were being a homer for Simeon. Well, for, I, was, I was, but, you know, I'm Simeon and Judge. I mean, a three-war already this year is crazy. Seven homers, 305, 383, 492 slash line. Seven steals. Seven steals, 38 ribbies, and has been the only healthy star the entire year for first-place Rangers team. Let's go, Marcus Honestly, Simeon. when I see his contract at seven for 175, I thought he was making more. No, it wasn't terrible. No, that's like a very live that No, that I he's almost getting underpaid. AL Central, Twins 25 and 22, three and a half up on the Tigers. White Sox four and a half back at 2026. 20, White Sox six and a half back. Royals eleven and a half back rounding out the division. This division's duty. This division's bad. I don't have a lot of commentary there. I mean, the fact that the Tigers are four games below five hundred, are in a weird spot in a rebuild, and are still only three and a half back speaks to the I would say parody the division, but parody I feel like I use as a positive word, and this was ridiculous. The this wh- isn't parody. This is everybody sucks. The White Sox in the standings, nineteen to twenty nine is a bad record. It gets crazy though when you look at that roster and you realize that this White Sox team has a bottom five record in Major League Baseball, and I I know we've spoken about it. I just don't understand how. I know they've been injured, but. Lou Robb has been a top 10, 15 position player in baseball. Uh, the pitching, everyone's kind of underachieved, but they still have Cease, Lynn, Giolito, Kopech, who this week almost threw a no-hitter. Hendricks is, even without Hendricks, the bullpen is good. You're getting Hendricks back in the next two weeks. I just don't get it. And I think they're a team, they got to blow it up at this point. You have to. I like You said it the other week. Lance Lynn's the first one to go. But they're just, none of their guys, I, I think what happened with them is they had all these really good young guys who everybody penciled in to get better, and almost every single one of them has gotten worse. All their young talents regressed, which at first, I mean, we thought it was La Russa. Are we too hard on La Russa? Because this team just isn't good. I think, no, I mean, look, I think Tony didn't help the problem, but uh, yeah. I think, you know what it is? I'll, I'm going to compare and contrast them to the Orioles for a second because the White Sox are further along in what their rebuild was supposed to be and made the playoffs in 93 The White Sox were supposed to win the World Series. All these, Ori- all these Orioles players have taken the logical step forward. The White Sox, Giolito's been good this year, so I'm actually not going to pick on Giolito as much, but he hasn't been Cy Young good. Lynn got old. Cease took a monster step back. Kopech is never healthy. It's just a weird... I don't know if it's a weird sum of the parts. had a good game this week. But uh, there's no reason this team should be so bad. AL West, Rangers... The other thing with the Whites is they're only six and a half out. Yep. Thanks, AL Central. Rangers, 29-17. Two up on the Strohs. Angels, 25-23. and 23. Mariners, 22-24. A's, 10-38. and 38. Uh, This Rangers team, again, I do think has some legs. But all I will say is here comes the Strohs. 9-1 and one in their last 10. Seven-game winning streak. We knew we couldn't keep them down for too long, and uh, we're starting to finally get the Astros that we've seen for years. And eventually Altuve's coming He's back. back. He is back. Like, he came back Friday, so that, I'm sure, is a part of it. They're good. I, I don't sleep on Texas. Though. Don't diminish what Texas is. Oh, no. It's, it's incredible. Texas still has the— Also, I was so lost in Colorado. I don't pay attention to anything. DeGrom, I don't... I mean, DeGrom, they said it's going to be at least another month, so I don't even know how much you can count on DeGrom, but... Well, I think my whole point with DeGrom was this Texas... With or without DeGrom, 
Uh, what do you think Bavada has them at to make the playoffs right now? Plus. You think they're plus to I make the I still think playoffs? they're like plus 150. Maybe I should just check this. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think as good as they've been so far, if DeGrom was on the team now, I think it's minus for sure. I, I just don't think the team has the track So you didn't record. say plus anything, though. Plus 150. I would hammer that. I think I might. That's my guess. NL East, Braves 29-17. Mets 5 back, 25-23. and 23. Big five-game winning streak to end the week. Uh, Marlins 24-23. Phillies 22-24. Nats 20-27. and 27. If the Mets can just get the Scherzer and Verlander they got last night, 14 innings of They're one minus ball, 140. That's interesting. If the Mets can just get the pitching to go along with the young talent they just brought up, uh, Mark Vientos, uh, Francisco Alvarez had a lot of big hits, Brett Beatty, obviously. Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez is back on the roster, which kind of contrasts with bringing up Francisco Alvarez. But if the Mets pitching can just get there and Scherzer and Verlander can pitch like Scherzer and Verlander, then this will be an interesting race. Um I, I just, again, Atlanta, they are so talented offensively. I just am not sure everyone's fully grasped how big of a loss. Like, the more I think about it, Freed and Acuna are. Or uh, Freed and Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright won 21 games last year, and Freed finished second in the Cy Young voting. I know their offense is great, and it's a pitching factory, but eventually Philly's going to get it together. And I don't think you can rely on Mike Soroka coming back off an ACL and Achilles injury. No, those are two bad ones. Uh, for whatever it's worth, the Bucks have the Braves at minus 425. To make the play- Oh, they're going to make the playoffs. To win the sure. division. Mets are plus 500. I still think. I mean, there's that's the value play for sure. I don't know, though. NL Central, Brewers 25 and 21. One up on the Pirates 24 and 22. Cardinals 21 and 27. Big week for the Cardinals. Uh, eight and two in their last ten. Nolan Homer in five straight games. They had two of the biggest offensive outbursts in the season, which we'll talk about in a second. Cubs twenty and twenty six, five games out, hanging around. Nineteen and twenty seven. The Reds six games out. Here's the question I want to ask you about the Brewers. Um, Craig Council has sneakily been managing there for about eight nine years at this point. Uh, has the most wins in franchise history. Has pretty consistently taken them to the playoffs. But right now, for whatever reason, is a lame dunk manager. They haven't given him an extension yet. So, two-part question. Uh, one, what would you say the Bavada odds are that Craig Council's managing the Brewers next year? And then follow-up, if they don't agree to new terms, where do you see Craig Council managing next year? Because I think he's a guy who's too good to be out of baseball at all because he's gotten a lot of wins with some pretty non-existent Brewers offense over the past 10 years. I think it's his call. I think if he wants to walk away, go to more of a competitor, then he might be happy in Milwaukee. So I'd say, but I'd say odds are he's not back next year. I think if he's not back, if you're a Brewers fan, that's not good because then because you're, he might you're get, looking at a real rebuild. Then he, I mean, he the logic fit would be St. Louis, huh? The old but well, I don't know wouldn't if, be switcheroo because Ali Marmol's not going to get the job there, but but that's not a bad landing spot for him. Uh, if the Giants, I mean, the Giants locked in with Kapler. Like, I'm just trying to think where there could be openings. I wouldn't go to Colorado, and I, for whatever reason, they love Bud Black more than anything in the world. Right. I don't think Miami's want, an interesting. The hard part is, is I don't think he's a guy who's jonesing for a rebuilding job, which is why I think we're sending him to the Angels. I like that fit because that's a guy who's gotten more. Probably more out of less than any manager in baseball in the past 10 years. That's that's probably fair. 
But the Angels' job might. If the Angels don't have Otani, then it's a rebuild. You still got Trout. You figure it out. Figuring it out around Trout for whatever reason doesn't work. Yeah, you figure it out. NL West, Dodgers 29 and 19, one and a half up on the D backs. Giants 22 and 24, six back. Padres 21 and 26, seven and a half back. Rockies 19 to 28, nine and a half back. If you read baseball tabloids, you're basically going to just see how everybody is disappointed in the Padres. And I can't say I disagree. But I want to give some shout out to the D backs 27 and 20, one and a half up back. Two and a half back in the wild card. I love my boy, Tori Labello, my fellow Bruin. Very nice to me once upon a time. I hope this team sticks around because they got a lot of fun, young, exciting talent. Some woman in the Denver airport. And Zach Allen. Was wearing a Diamondback shirt. And she was just ripping on the Rockies. Right now, if you were to ask the best one-two punch of any, like just statistically speaking right now, any of any uh, team in baseball, Zach Gowan and Merrill Kelly have to at least be in the conversation, just strictly based on statistics this year. That's probably right. How's, how's Kelly been? He's on my fantasy team, so I should know. I mean, Gowan got lit up this week, but that doesn't count. He's our boy, and yeah, I mean, Kelly's five and three with a two nine eight ERA, one point oh eight WHIP. They got good. The pieces there are much better than I thought they were. Yeah, and it's I think just a good clubhouse, good young team. Moving to the league leader side of things. Run scored, Ronald Acuna, 44. Bo Bichette, 64 hits. Matt Chapman, 19 doubles. Uh, triples, 4. Brandon Marsh, Rosario, Bobby Witt. Pete, 17 home runs. Adalas Garcia, 49 RBIs. Walks leader, Juan Soto with 41. Estuary Ruiz, thank God I drafted him in fantasy. It's the only pick I feel good about. 24 steals. Arias, 382 average. Arias, 347 on beach. Judge, 642 slugging. OPS Judge, 1.042. Do you want to do... All right, today's May 22nd. So then I'm trying to think how much I want to date this out. Let's go June 15th. So we're looking at about three and a half weeks. Uh, Bavada over under. Luis Arias average, 370. Over. No hesitation over. Yeah. That speaks to Arias, because you're a much tougher critique than I am. Well, I like Arias, and I better him to win the MVP. All right, go Arias, go. Pitching side of sins, McClanahan, seven wins. Sonny Gray, 164 ERA. What does his average have to be to win the MVP? Does it have to be in that 380? I think it has to be at least above 360. Miami's a 500 team right now. Yeah, and they have to at least kind of be around. Saves leader, Emmanuel Class, 15. Innings pitched is with 66. From Valdez. He threw a shutout this week. Strikeouts leader, Spencer Strider with 86. Whip leader, 0.79, Tyler Wells. Fascinating names in the whip top 10. Shout out Erod. I actually think I need to read this whole top 10 out loud just because Tyler Wells. We'll just do the yes or no. Would you predict them to be on the list? Tyler Wells, no. No. Erod, no. No. Joe Ryan, potentially, but closer to 10. Otani, sure. Smiley, Drew Smiley. No. Dustin May. No. Christian Javier. Maybe. Mitch Keller. No. Anthony Disclafani. No. And Evaldi. No. And then Zach Gallon's 11. Yes. Crazy, crazy start to the season. Shout out to Fromber. Second career shutout. First at Minute Maid Park. 2 nothing shutout against the A's. Struck out 7, 104 pitches, 22 called strikes. Uh, they had just three singles and a double over nine innings. And don't look now, but... Fromber is starting to look like that guy that the Astros were comfortable letting Justin Verlander walk because of. I think you have to be a tougher critic on the player of the week, and shutouts against Oakland shouldn't count. 
It's you still got to go nine innings though. Against Oak, they're, Oakland's really bad. They still got to go nine innings. Fromber four and four, two four five ERA, one point oh one point three WHIP. I really like Fromber. I'm also very surprised to read he's only five eleven. I kind of thought he was like baseball s- players aren't that big. I know. Well, he's five eleven, two forty. So maybe that's why I thought he was so big. But I've always been a big Fromber fan. Glad to see he's doing his thing. Uh, we covered Judge. Let's do Michael Waka Flock of Flame. Took a no hitter into the eighth in his first start Monday against the Royals. Allowed a leadoff single. Uh, in the eighth, but in a four nothing victory, he uh, struck out a career high eleven, one hit, uh, and hit another batter. He also went six scores against the Red Sox Sunday in a seven nothing win. So all told, Michael Waka, thirteen and change scoreless innings this week. Tough week to be against him in fantasy. Oh, did you play against him? And is probably the best pitcher on the Padres this year so far. And I don't think it's very close. And when That's you're asking good. why are the Padres twenty and twenty six, we can point some fingers there. But not a Waka. Not a Waka. Michael Kopech. Do you have Kopech in fantasy? I do. You started him this week? I did. That's good. One hit over career high, eight innings lead the White Sox to a 2 nothing victory. Guaranteed rate field. Only hit was a Michael Macy single with one out in the sixth on a 2-2 fastball. Ten strikeouts, no walk. Faced the minimum 24 hitters in eight innings. It's just the 73rd time in ALNL history that a team has faced the minimum 27 batters in a nine-inning game despite allowing a hit. Shout out to Kopech there. Um, let's do the Cardinals, and then we'll do Freddie. Cardinals, two big offensive uh, onslaughts this week. Thursday night, they scored 16 runs against the Dodgers, and they didn't do it against just anyone. It was Julio Urias, perennial Cy Young contender. Uh, it was their most home Not runs in a year. game in 27 years. They hit seven total home runs. Wilson Contreras hit two. Nolan Gorman hold, uh, hit two. And Juan Yepes, Paul DeYoung, they all homered. Urias gave up four home runs in the inning, which was the most by starting pitcher ever in one inning for the Dodgers. Uh, Nolan, he crushed one Thursday. Uh, all told, he homered six of seven games, which was incredible there. Uh, the Cardinals put up 18 runs. Uh, so, again, two separate 16-plus run games this week. 18-1 win against the Brewers Monday. Goldschmidt hit a ribby double. They had a 10-run eighth inning. Nolan Gorman had five RBIs. Your boy Jack Flaherty went seventh course and had 10 strikeouts. But I mostly bring this up as a fuck you to the Cardinals organization because it all happened with Wilson Contreras back behind the plate. His first start back. Probably Jack Flaherty's best regular season start in three years. Flaherty was solid again this week. Or not, it wasn't good, but... Wilson has been vindicated, is my point. Yeah, and Marmo looks like a fucking moron. Free my friend Wilson. I don't know why I'm talking as if we're friends, but I always liked him. Let's talk about Freddie Freeman. Uh, Nolan Arenado also joined this club this week. Both of them joined the 300 home run, 1,000 RBI club. Uh, they were the 143rd and 144 players in ALNL history with 300 home runs and 1,000 ribbies. Active players, it's Miggy, Nelson Cruz, Vado, Longo, Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. Who do you think has, I, I guess, I'm going to ask percentages in a second, but overarching statement first. Who is the more cut and dry Hall of Fame case right now, Nolan or Freddie? Because Nolan's got all the gold gloves, but Freddie's got the ring and an MVP. I think it's Freddie. It's an interesting. It's an interesting discussion to be I think had. Everybody right? would tell you no one's better. Everyone would tell you no one's better, but I think when you look at the actual numbers, Freddie's closing in on two thousand hits this year, much higher slash line. And it's like, yeah, he doesn't have the Gold Gloves, but we're still talking about a six, seven time All Star. I, I just I think I think it's the ring that sets him apart. It's the ring and the actual MVP. So even in the the short season, give me right now. Um, what you would set the and assuming their careers project like they are now, uh, Bavada over under for both of those guys on their first ballot 
Because I do think both are going to end up being first ballot Hall of Famers. I, I also think they're both going to end ballot one. So give me the percentage for both, you think? Freddie, I'd go... I think Fred, like, Freddie could go 85. Nolan with or without a... Nolan is still... No one's gonna, I think Nolan's going to go in at like 93 plus. You know who I think Freddie's career numbers are going to end up being very similar Freddie to? Freddie does have one gold glove. Freddie's career numbers with fewer home runs? You might. Frank Thomas. And I mean, he has the ring too, but that's going to be my ballot comp. Yeah, that's about right. I mean, great numbers. I mean, the 300 average. What's the OBP at? 386. OPS. Yeah, I mean, he, he does everything well. And he has for a while. He's been doing... How, he also feels older. He's 33. It's because he came up when he was 21, and all he's done is play in the postseason. Fair. Do you want to have any more Arenado points, or should I move on to the multi I just want to see how old Arenado is. What, 30? He's a year also. younger. How many gold gloves, though? 10. That's a lot. And, and it's, and it's 10 to start your career. Multi-homer games. I mentioned Judge and Wilson Contreras. We also had Devers... Did you ever know that Nolan Arenado's nickname was Sandblaster? I'm not going to ask any questions. That's one of my favorite songs, actually. Oh, they're multi-homer games. Devers against the Padres. Um, Cal Raleigh versus the Red Sox. Brenton Doyle versus the Reds. Max Muncy versus the Twins. And Adalas Garcia versus the Braves. All right, you ready to start talking Yanks? We're going to talk suspensions, some fights, and the bad man not being able to hurt me anymore. Let's start with the suspension. So Domingo Herman earlier this year did almost get ejected for sticky substances uh, against the Twins, right? It was Rocco Baudelli who went crazy. And Wednesday, he received a 10-game suspension and an undisclosed fine for violating the prohibitions on foreign substances. He was ejected in the fourth inning of Tuesday's game against the Blue Jays. Um, the umpire said, or Aaron Boone said at the end of the day, he went over the line that the umpires deemed, and now we've got to live with the consequences of that. Exactly what the substance was remains up for debate. Herman insisted he'd only use the rousing bag, which is available at the back of the mound. Crew Chief James Hoy disputed that in the strongest terms, saying it was definitely not rosin and that it was sticky, as in my fingers had a hard time coming off his palm. Either way, Herman now has the automatic 10-game suspension. Uh, and it's really tough if you're the Yankees because, again, could it have been that he was cheating? Sure, but in May, across four starts, 1-6-4 ERA. When Nestor was down, Herman went up, so it was really the number two the past month. Uh, and that's coming off a 5-5-4 ERA and five April starts. I don't like Domingo Herman. Correct. It's easy for us to just say screw Domingo Herman, especially given his checkered past with domestic abuse, this and that. Here are my thoughts. Do I think Domingo Herman cheated? Probably. It looked pretty. And I think regardless, if you got called out for this two weeks ago, you can't even cut it close. It's like it's, it's the same. You got to treat him like he. And when players get suspended, I think of them as campers. And if I almost catch a kid. When, like, usually if I caught a kid doing something, I'd usually look the other way. Like, I don't, like, but, like, obviously not in the extremes. Kid misbehaves. I'll look the other way and give another bat and give another shot at it. But there's an understanding that if I let you off the hook, you got to be on your, you got to be on your game for, for a while. You got to get out of the doghouse. When you, to get in trouble while still in the doghouse shows that you're just really fucking stupid above all else. You're reckless. Here's here's what I will say. Uh, I think Herman deserves a suspension, this and that. But what showed me later in the week, Clark Schmidt against the Reds, they also investigated him. He didn't get ejected, told him to took his take his glove off, wash his hands, yada, yada, yada. Clark Schmidt has been bad this year, so I don't think Clark Schmidt is cheating. 
And despite how I feel about Clark Schmidt, the pitcher, as a human being, I think he falls under what you were just saying, where he's not a complete fucking idiot and wouldn't cheat two days after his teammate got suspended. All that said, here is what I think we need in Major League Baseball. And I'm not saying this to defend Herman, but between Herman, Scherzer, Schmidt getting investigated but not ejected, I just think they need to be more consistent with this rule. Because I think right now, from crew to crew, it's very arbitrary what constitutes a foreign substance and what's not. It's very arbitrary when umps decide to elevate it and say to a player, you need to remove this or wash your hands and do this. And I think all this is going to do is create confusion and problems amongst pitchers and fans alike. I just think there needs to be one uniform rule for umpires to enforce that's a little bit more clear. And then I think on top of it, they need to just decide, okay, how much rosin is too much rosin? Which I guess goes hand in hand with what I'm saying, but... Just make your job easier for Major League Baseball and for fans. Yeah, this should... Uh, it's just got to be more consistent. Like if I, they want to go after guys harder, great. But then go after everybody. Yeah, this one... I mean, you're, it's tough. With your, your point was very valid. But take take the Herman out of the equation. Because was just so blatant. I was going to say, take the Herman out of the equation. I, I, I just is an overarching team. No, because cause you know what it is? Because Max Scherzer is not a guy I think is a cheater. And now he gets looped in with a guy like Herman. Yeah. So, no, consistency is important with any sort of rules. So, did you get to watch any of this Yanks-Blue Jays series when you were in Colorado? I know we watched a little bit when you were before. I was pretty much in Colorado mode all week. So, pretty crazy couple days. A lot of eventful back and forth. Um, The Blue Jays... I don't know if it's an inferiority complex, but the Blue Jays... Between their manager, John Schneider, Alec Manoa, famously with Colin Judge, they love to call out the Yankees. And we generally don't care because at the end of the day, it's what have you done lately type of thing. They haven't done much. They haven't done much. Even last year when they got to the playoffs, they lost in the wild card round, right? They lost to Seattle. Yeah, they lost to Seattle. They decided to go after Aaron Judge this week. Uh, Relief pitcher Jay Jackson was pitching for the Blue Jays on Monday's game. And Judge took a quick glance over to the dugout. His eyes were wandering. I'll give him that. And then he hung a slider over the plate, and Judge crushed his second homer of the game. Um, The commentators, Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez, both mentioned that they thought Judge may have been stealing signs when he was quickly glancing sideways during the eighth inning at bat. Um, And then from there, the Blue Jays just decided to absolutely run with it. Um, They accused Judge of cheating. Basically, John Schneider, after the game, said that you would only be looking out at the signs if you had something. And it turns out after all that that Jay Jackson said, I was absolutely tipping my pitches. So you know what Aaron Judge did? He did what people have been doing for 100 years. And when his first base coach gives him a sign or a tell, you're allowed to do that. He looked at, it's what something we would call gamesmanship, but not cheating. Um, so that was step one in this series. And this is just going to be a fun matchup the rest of the year. Uh, because game one, the Blue Jays accused the Yankees of cheating. Game two, John Schneider decided to call out the Yankees' base coaches on where they were positioned, saying, I think there's boxes on the field for a reason. And yeah, I think when it's a glaring 30 feet when you're not in that spot, you kind of put two and two together a little bit. If things are being picked from people that aren't in places they should be, that's where the line should be drawn. Uh, They yelled at Luis Rojas to be inside his box, and then they later made the same request of the Blue Jays' third base coach, Luis Rivera. This, to me, reminded me of... Like the petty shit when Buck went to go get Musgrove, go after Musgrove in the playoffs and say, hey, check him for foreign substances because 
we can't hit this guy, basically. Blue Jays. This was be- this was the Blue Jays. I'll put it this way: when we did this podcast last week, the Blue Jays were in third place. Now they are in last place in the American League East, and they just looked like. And I'm sure Blue Jays will say fans say anything about us, but they just looked like a bunch of pansies who aren't ready for the moment. And that was only added to the fact that when John Schneider was chirping, he looked at Yankees assistant hitting coach Brad Wilkerson and said, "Shut up, fat boy, shut up." Brad Wilkerson, I should add. Former professional baseball player, while John Schneider was a former minor league catcher and coach. I thought that they shouldn't have, I thought they rushed to give John Schneider this job. But they didn't go they had he was the interim and he didn't make the playoffs. Or they like got swept, they didn't win any playoff game. Which usually don't keep the job as the interim. Brad Wilkerson had thirty two home runs in two thousand four. How dare John Schneider say, Hey fat boy to him? I mean, everyone. Well that was just thirty two. Huh? That's his 32 home runs. What'd I say? 34. Close enough. Right, how much PEDs was he on? I don't think he was. Let me scroll up. I mean, he had a, he averaged from oh, 2002 to 2007, 20 home runs. In the peak the of season. the steroid era. I don't think he was on the juice. I'll be the dead guy. He's six feet, he was six feet, 200 pounds. That doesn't seem steroidy. The random 30 homer spike is a steroid. That's- Regardless, it's not that. I mean, it was 20, 19, 32, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was on the juice. Regardless, it just seemed like the Blue Jays were trying to rattle the Yankees, and it's like Manoa got rocked against us when he's been the one chirping. And you know the old expression, if you talk, sh- if you talk shit, get hit, and you better be ready to get back up. They talk shit, we hit them, and we kick their ass. That's the important part. Yanks kept winning the game. Yeah, Yanks kept winning. Big roster move for the Yanks. Greg Allen, back. I was pumped about this. I loved Greg Allen with me with the team in 2021. Uh, they traded for the outfielder from the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he caught on with the Red Sox on a minor league pack this offseason in 30 games of AAA. 250, 407, 388 slash line. 39.9% walk rate. Uh, but more importantly, it was 23 for 23 in stolen bases. So that's a guy the Yankees could use as a clearly defined fourth outfielder. And at that point, you're probably saying to yourself, who took Greg Allen? Whose roster spot did Greg Allen take? Bryce, I never thought they would do it. But Aaron Hicks has been designated for assignment. Hicks is still owed $19.57 million, uh, 24 to 25, as well as a $1 million buyout with a $12.5 million option for 2026. It's also the remainder of his $10.8 million salary this year. So this is costing the Yanks. About 30 or so million dollars, um, and Hicks is going to be on waivers. So if a team decided to uh, pick him up on waivers, they'd owe, be owed his remaining – they'd have take on his remaining contract. No one's doing that. No one's doing that. So Hicks is going to probably be a free agent. This year, 188, 263, 261 slash line, single home run and 76 plate appearances. IKF was getting starts uh, in the outfield over him. So the writing was sort of on the wall there. It sucks because Hicks Friday actually did have a three-hit game. Uh, and was looking like I he like Hicks. was maybe turning a corner a bit, but signed a seven-year, $70 million extension. And after that, for 29 to 2022, is worth a total of 3.1 war. Uh, last year, he played or he missed time in 2019 and was limited to just 59 games uh, that year. In 2021, uh, he played in 31 games. Last year, he played 130 games, but struggled to get on base, eight home runs, didn't have a lot of power. Um, and all told, he had 216, 330, 313, lost a center field job. Just a guy who I think ultimately was a bad fit. Um, 
crazy enough? If I told you right now without thinking, or if I asked the casual Yankee fan, Bavada over under years Aaron Hicks was a Yankee, any thoughts? I feel like he was there for like seven years. He was there eight years, which was crazy to me. Um, look, he was one of those guys. We signed him and Severino the same offseason. When we signed Hicks, it didn't look that crazy. I mean, you look at his 2017, his first full season with the Yanks in 88 games, 15 home runs, 52 RBIs, 372 on base, 847 OPS. Then the following year in 137 games, Got 90 runs, MVP 27 homers, uh, 79 ribbies, 833 OPS. That's we a guy that it. for $10 million a year, we got that extension. Loved it. And it was great. But that was it. This, um, I like Aaron X. So I think he's going to be, I think of I think of the David Justice scene from Moneyball, where the Yanks are paying you how much money not to play for them. He does seem like a guy who will catch on elsewhere. It's like Gallo this year. I wonder, uh, where, where could he go? Who needs an outfielder? The problem with Hicks, I think the biggest problem why the Yankees had to come bait with him, Greg Allen knows his role on this team. He's going to be the fourth outfielder. He's going to play every couple days. He's going to be the speed guy off the bench. He's going to play a good day. I don't think Hicks was truly ready to accept that role at this point in his career. Even though once Bader was back, that's, that's I, what it was. I think the biggest problem with Hicks was hitting below 200. Yeah, those sort of go hand-in-hand hand with one another. Tampa Bay Rays are in the news this week. Uh, there's a a potential buyer in Tampa. Um, the team's drawing interest from groups that would relocate the club to one of the cities that is a candidate for major league expansion. Um, the Rays' main focus is building a $1.2 million ballpark in St. Petersburg or Tampa. Uh, but Stuart Sternberg is in talks with some potential buyers as well as also potential investors to help fund the capital for that. Uh, the potential local buyer there is Dan Doyle Jr., the CEO of Dex Imaging, Tampa-based company that professes to be the largest independent provider of office technology with a local touch. Uh, he founded the company in 2002. Both him and the Rays declined to comment. Uh, but Steinberg did say, I expect we build a new ballpark in Tampa Bay that will keep the Rays here for generations to come. I will remain the Rays owner. So I'm going to look up Dan Doyle Jr. net worth to see if we can get that. I don't know why they're so committed to keeping this team in Tampa. I don't either at this point. Like, there's certain franchises that you need to sale. You want to sell it in a... Dan Doyle Jr. looks like a really nice guy, by the way. He looks like a schmuck. Yeah, he's got a nice smile. He I looks like, like a douche. I like the tie that he's got. But continue. So you don't need... The Tampa Bay... I don't think it's a stadium issue with Tampa. It's a fan support issue. Like, Tampa hasn't been able to support a major league team, despite how good they are. That's the thing. At the end of the day, if the fans aren't coming this year, they ain't coming. And, and that's why I'm a firm believer that baseball, sporting teams in general should go to cities that deserve them, where the fans are going to show up and support. And it's frustrating with Tampa, too, and I'm sure part of it is just a num- it's the location and the number of games, but I'm assuming the Lightning get good fans, right? You know yep. hockey more than I do. Lightning sells out. We know the Bucks do. Even without Brady, fans came. I just don't get why I think they came for Jameis. I don't think they came for like the Mike Glennon era. I just uh, I'll give them a pass on that. It's just amazing that these Rays fans don't care – and at the same time, if I'm Major League Baseball, though, you're not moving them to one of the cities where they want to expand to. Move them somewhere else. Like, I, I think these, I, to me, if I'm getting a team, if I'm a city, I want something fresh. I want something to adopt my own. I don't want a city that, a, a team that another city rejected, even though the Rays win with the best of them. 
If Mon- if they move, I, I kind of like their half Tampa, half Montreal thing. It's just feasibly. I mean, it's, it's stupid. It's, it's logistically, I think, pretty impossible. No, I don't. I don't get it. This where would I mean? Are they gonna do? The A's kind of mess things up. Not the A's going to Vegas mess everything up because to me it was a pretty clear Vegas and Nashville get the expansion teams. To me, one interesting thought is if the Rays don't want to uproot too much, they're a team that could make sense to me for Charlotte. If Charlotte can get a baseball Charlotte stadium built, and then Nashville, you say go Nashville and I, I Nashville, you'd have to move around divisions or theoretically. You go Nashville and. Portland. I don't know why I always bang the drum for Portland, but they're just the ones that come to mind. I don't Portland. Oh, let's go. Oh no, we said Nashville, and New Orleans. New Orleans in the summer, I think, would be just very hot. Dude, they just moved the team to Vegas. That's also. Gonna be they hot. literally just moved the team to the middle of the desert. That is true. That's fair. So, no, New Orleans is weird. I guess Vegas is also weird. But whatever, either case, Tampa Bay doesn't work. And I don't know why we keep why they keep trying to look for solutions on Tampa. When yeah, just cut your losses and move on. Uh, Eric Cosmer this week was DFA'd by the Cubs. Uh, he signed an eight-year, $144 million deal with the Padres going into 2018. Um, that was coming off of a career batting line, 284, 342, 439. Since then, it's 263, 323, 406. Uh, he's been a couple of ticks below average the past couple of years. Uh, he was on traded from the Padres to the Red Sox last year, but they wanted to bring up Tristan Cassis. This year, the Cubs picked him up. Uh, there was no financial impact because the Padres are still on the hook for his deal for $39 million. They wanted to bring up Matt Mervis. More on Matt Mervis to come. Um, so Hosmer was DFA'd. I only bring, I bring up Eric Hosmer for two reasons. One, do you think he sticks up on another team? And two, how do you think Eric Hosmer is remembered? I, think remembered. I, got, I got mixed feelings on it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts first. I just... I'll think of him as a royal. And then of it, course. I'll think of him as a royal. Like, I think of all those royals, it's kind of the same. I don't think of him much different than I think of Alex Gordon, and Gordon was better. It's funny because I think I loop them into two groups almost of like those the studs on those teams. I think Gordon achieved just right relative to his hype and potential when all was said and done. He won like seven gold gloves, was Mr. Royal. I think Locane, it's well-established, outplayed his expectations. Yep. Hosmer and Moustakis, as great as they were, I mean, Hosmer's made so much money in his career. Moustakis, a couple-time All-Stars, also made a bunch of money. I almost think relative to what that core was, we're going to look back in their career. And look, Hosmer's had a solid big league career, but I think of what he was when he came up, and to me, he was the face of that Royals team in 14-15, to 15, and I almost feel like you should have had a career closer to like Don Mattingly or Will Clark. Like, re- looking at this and seeing Eric Hosmer, one-time All-Star, was a genuine surprise to me. You thought it was more? I thought it was at least three to four. Nah, he he just was like, I don't know. He's also remembered as the guy who I think turned the page on the Padres. Because I don't think Machado or anything else happens unless they sign Hosmer first. I don't think he cares about that. That doesn't do him much good in the long run. Someone pick him up, let him hit two more homers to get the 200, and then... If you're Hosmer, just don't retire, but retire. So retire you keep as a roar. Your, Go back to Kansas Well, keep City. collecting those paychecks, though. He's got a pension. Yeah, but you can, you're still on the hook for almost $30 million. Oh, he'll still season. collect those. That's what I'm saying. Keep collecting those. Don't retire, because then I do think you lose them at some point. I think he'll go. Kansas, it would be nice to send him back to Kansas City, and then they could do like a Granky Hosmer, thanks for the memories, guys, send off by the end of the year. I think Granky's going to just keep bitching. 
He doesn't care. He doesn't care about. I think he just love. I think he genuinely just loves baseball, and is like, by his own admission, a little out there. Doesn't necessarily do great in social situations. So, like, I, I to me, the only thing he's chasing at this point is the three thousand strikeouts which we talked about last week. But one way or the other, he's a Hall of Famer. It's like, are we talking about? Does he want to chase being a first ballot Hall of Famer? Like, I don't. I think that ship sailed. If he gets a 3,000 strikeout. Yeah, no. You know what, though? But if he gets a 3,000 strikeouts, I don't think a CC is. We talked about this last week. I don't think if CC is a first ballot Hall of Famer either. So, I don't know. He, the Astros fucked him. No, you know who fucked If he wins that World Series in 2019, it's a different legacy. And the, fact, and the fact that he had the best year of his career. The Arietta year. In the Arietta year, where mm-hmm. Arietta had a, the best half of baseball we've ever seen. And his own teammate struck out 300 guys. He was second. I think he was second. He was second. But it was like a distant second. I mean, he had a 166 ERA. Yeah, I mean, well, Arietta's was what, 175? That's the problem. And Greinke was never a big strikeout guy. 177. Oh, that vote was closer than I remembered. I, I think Greinke had a better season, but Arietta had the second. This historic second half. Yeah, I don't even know oh, how so much Kershaw better. Kershaw got 301 guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a ridiculous year. I mean, Garrett finished 19 and 8 with a 260 RA and 200. I guess that's not that good of a year. Let me go down the list a little further. Melanson in eighth. John Lackey, ninth in the Cy Young that year. All right, we're just going to keep moving on. Uh, so, miscellaneous news. First off, RIP to Baseball Hall of Famer Rick Hummel, uh, the Hall of Fame baseball writer and St. Louis dispatch writer for 51 years, passed away Saturday at the age of 77. He was nicknamed the Kinmish, uh, writing for Cardinals fans for five decades with his vivid game recaps and thorough reporting, covered three World Series championships, seven pennants, inducted into the writer's wing of the National, Base- National Baseball Hall of Fame in 2006 when he was honored with the Baseball Writers Association of America Career Excellence Award. He's also in the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame and the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. He's named the Missouri Sports Writer of the Year four times by the National Sports Writer Sportscaster Association. He retired regularly from the post-dispatch following 2002 season, but he did make freelance appearances throughout the 2023 year. Um, honestly, I've read Rick Hummel's new um, articles on and off over the years. He's a baseball Hall of Famer. That's why I bring it up. If you want the pro- proper tribute to him, go on the St. Louis Dispatch today. Uh, Derek Gould, who took over from for Hummel, unbelievable base writer and baseball writer and himself for the Cardinals. He does it justice. For now, all I will say is uh, thoughts with Rick Hummel's family. Always a bummer when another Hall of Famer passes away. Annabelle Sanchez, he retired. 39 years old, uh, pitching 16 big league seasons. And he's a guy who I think had a much better career um, than I remembered. Is that a crazy take? I feel like I associate him with good stuff. I associate him with a lot of postseason success. Uh, came up as a 22-year-old uh, with the Marlins. 114 in the third innings of 283 ERA ball through his first 18 appearances. Threw a no-hitter in his 13th career start against Diamondbacks that September. Goes to the Tigers in a blockbuster trade headlined by uh, former first-round pick Jacob T- uh, Turner and was just really good with the Tigers. Uh, signed a five-year, $80 million deal there. 182 innings of 257 ERA ball and 29 starts. He won the AL ERA title uh, that season, finished fourth in the Cy Young voting. Um, 2014, 343 ERA and 126 innings. Had some down years in Detroit there. 
Um, signs a minor league deal with the Braves and then signed with the Nationals on a two-year $19 million deal. 2019, he made 30 starts, but then in the playoffs, he was fantastic as a number four starter. 72 scoreless innings um, against the Cardinals in the NLCS game one. That's what I remember. 406 ERA in 2000 big league innings, seven seasons with 100-plus innings and fewer than four earned runs allowed per nine. Uh, postseason, I think this is why I think of his career is so great. 1,800 strikeouts, 116 wins, but 293 ERA. 1,800 strikeouts? That doesn't sound right. 1,800 strikeouts. 1,800 strikeouts. In the postseason? No, no, just in general. Okay. But 293 ERA in 61 in the third innings in the postseason. Uh, made $103 million. Really good career. And was part of what I would say one of the better rotations of our lifetime. E- either Tigers rotation, be it the... Verlander, Scherzer, because I think he was part of both, right? Verlander, Scherzer, Price, and was, him. But then he was also a part of Scherzer, Verlander, him, and Doug Fister. I mean, that I remember. He was also Scherzer, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Sanchez. Yeah, just a good pitcher. Part of a lot of good teams. Congrats on a good career. Um, what do you think the Bavada odds were? The only time we've ever seen a baseball player kill a bird pitching was Randy Johnson. What are the odds that another Diamondback were the one caught on video doing it next? May have been hot. Was it in Arizona? Is this a part of the Zach Gallen Cy Young case that he killed the bird during warm-ups? Killed it with a curveball, so I'm not even sure how merciful it was. It's almost it was like I wish it was better if it was a heater, but Zach Gallen will now be a bird killer for the rest of his career. I'll see you at the sport club meetings with me and the big unit. <laughs> it's a great legacy to be a part of. Dodgers signed Ken Giles to a minor league deal. I only bring this up because I would love for him to make the team just so I can watch him punch himself in the face again. I always One of my that, least favorite guys. I like that guy who went to a Blue Jays and just kept heckling Ken Giles. Ken Giles! Ken Giles has got it tough. If Ken Giles kills the birds, he's not coming to the support group. I don't like him either. couple of tough injuries for the Dodgers. We moving to the injury section. Urias, Julio Urias, 15-day injured list due to a left hamstring strain. But the big one is Dustin May, who has been dealing in his return from Tommy John surgery. Uh, he has a flexor pronator strain in his forearm elbow area. Going to be out a minimum four to six weeks. Uh, will not require surgery, though. Dodgers rotation is pretty thin on his uh, on its own. We were talking about Gavin Stone earlier. They just brought up Mitch Grove as well. Gonsolin is always hurt. I mean, he's been good of late. Kershaw, Kershaw's great until he's not. You know what I mean? He's healthy until he isn't. If they don't get May and Urias back soon... Time for concern for the Dodgers, or they'll make a move and figure it out. And at I don't the end of the they, day, the rest of the division is what it is. They seem to be fine. I'm not concerned. I, I, I think the Dodgers are already just resting for October. Must be nice. Team that can't afford to do it, your boy, Manny Machado. 10-day injured list uh, with a small fracture in his hand. They're hoping he's going to be back soon. He could be back in the next week if he feels better by then. But it seemed like Machado was finally getting going, and then he broke his hand. He'll be fine. Cody Bellinger, 10-day injury list with a left knee contusion. Wade Miley out six to eight weeks, um, which was initially described as a lat strain. He has a posterior serratus strain. Jose Trevino for the Yanks, 10-day injury list with a left hamstring strain. Anthony Rendon, 10-day IL due to a left groin strain. Jack Peterson, 10-day due to a right hand contusion. Corey Polanco, 10-day left hamstring strain. And Mets fans, I don't get to validate you often, but you did get it right on Kumar Rocker. 23-year-old did get Tommy John surgery. Uh, so the Rangers prospect, who's already 23 years old, will be out for the foreseeable future. I guess if you're a Mets fan, you don't ever want to root for somebody to get hurt, but you can read this and say, hey, New York Post, screw you guys for bashing us so much. He was actually hurt. 
There's weird stuff. And we bash the Mets too for that. I'll be honest. So I I, I worry about you about Kumar Rocker in the long run because this is not the way you want to start a career. No, I I wonder how often they're going to draft pitchers for Vanderbilt going forward because he's now getting Tommy John and Jack Leiter was supposed to be the sure thing of the two. Not a great start. And what's the common denominator there? Rangers took them both in the top three. And they were the right picks. They were the right picks. Look, sometimes it doesn't pay out. Tweets of the week. This is from Matt Kawahara. The A's announced a paid attendance of 2064, their smallest home crowd since 1979. It's really bad. There were probably more people at your sister's graduation. That's a small college. There may have been. From Dan Conley, Shohei Otani became the first pitcher since Mel Studemeyer to reach base safely five times in a game. Um, that same day, he had the most times reached base by any hitter and allowed the fewest batters to reach base of any starting pitcher who went seven or more. No, players led, no player led the major leagues in both categories the same day since 1920. He's probably the best player in baseball. Yeah. Uh, Braves this week from ESPN Stat and Info. Tight MLB record versus the Rangers Monday with five two-run homers. If only it was Tuesday. Got two tweets from Ryan Spader. This one is not really a tweet. I just thought it was interesting. The Phillies this year have the number four, seven, nine, and 13 picks from the 2014 draft 10 years later. Baseball drafts are weird. Kyle Schwarber, Aaron Nola, Jeff Hoffman, Trey Turner. Placido Polanco, not a guy I get to mention a lot. He had a 1,126 plate appearance stretch during which he did not have back-to-back strikeouts from 2006 to 2008. Good career. Good for him. Some love. He's kind of like the hitting equivalent of Animal Sanchez. Better career, I think. Am I pulling up the Placido Polanco numbers now? You sure, man. We didn't get to mention Pujols this you, week, so we did Polanco instead. You bet your ass I am. Placido Polanco, two-time All-Star, three-goal glove, ALCS MVP. I mean, a 297 average with over 21 hits, 2,100 hits is a really good career. That is a really – that's way better than I thought. Yeah, I'll say slightly better than Annabelle Sanchez, comparatively speaking. Postseason numbers for whatever it's worth. Um, doesn't look like it's on the page a ton. Well, there, those... It's 248 in the playoffs. But some of those he was old, so he gets a pass. A's this week are the first team in MLB history to have one rookie come up with a bases load and deliver a game-tying grand slam, and another come up with a bases load and deliver a walk-off hit in the same game. Just a good random one. Uh, this year, Ronald Acuna has scored 15 runs in the first inning. The Mets have scored 10. Acuna's really good. Bryce's reminder to start Christopher Morel in fantasy. Uh, he now only trails Luis Gonzalez in two, 2011, Mike Schmidt in 1976. 2001, for God's sake. 2001, thank you. As the players with the most home runs in their first 11 games of a season. Christopher Morel's got eight. Yeah, he's permanently in the starting lineup. Rays now have 10 different players with at least five home runs a season. Only team now will be history to have 10 different players with five home runs before playing 50 games of the season. They did it in 43. The Mets, this was the second time they've won two games while trailing by multiple runs in the ninth inning or later in a three-game span. Francisco Alvarez uh, made a note in that stretch. Uh, by delivering a game time hit with his team down to the last out in each of his two games played, uh, the only two player to do that player to do that in the last ten years in back to back games was Pujols. You ruined it for me. I had him. I should have figured. I didn't even know I had him. Um, Anthony Rizzo, thirty five home runs and hundred plus RBIs in his career against the Reds. He joins Miguel Cabrera against the Royals, White Sox, Twins, and Guardians. Mike Trout against the A's, Rangers, and Mariners, and Joey Votto versus the Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs. 
Nelson Cruz versus the A's, Angels, and Evan Longoria versus the Yanks, and Orioles is the only players to do that. Yanks-Reds was the first game that both managers were ejected uh, this season, and Aaron Boone at 11.52 a.m. Eastern time was the earliest ejection for a regular scheduled game in baseball history. Boone gets ejected a lot. He gets ejected so many times that at this point I'm kind of numb to it, and I don't really even watch when he's ejected. I kind of just watch... I honestly watch mostly because I'm in so many Yankee group messages. And when they're saying like, oh, that ejection was so quick, I just need to know what they're talking about. At this point, it's all that. Zach Gallen uh, this week had more walks and strikeouts in an outing in the for the first time in his career. That broke a streak of 90 consecutive appearances without having more walks and strikeouts. The longest streak by any major league pitcher to begin his career in the modern era. That's a good... We love Gallon. Gallon's really good. Even though he killed the bird. Control wasn't good enough to kill a bird. We should have known as soon as he killed the bird, Control was going to be off this week. This is from Buster Only. The last time a team started two pitchers on the same day who each had already won 200 games was in August 1986 when the Yanks started Tommy John and Joe Necro. Mets did it this week with Scherzer and Verlander. And it was the first time in baseball history that a team started pitchers who had each won three-plus Cy Youngs in both ends of a doubleheader. From Codify... 38% 38% of Joey Gallo's career hits are home runs, and that's more than anybody else in Major League history. This is from MASN. Since 1901, there's two players with 40-plus doubles and 100-plus walks um, within their first 162 games. Ted Williams and Adley Rushman. No pressure, kid. I don't think there is any pressure on him. <laughs> no I, pressure. I feel like you're down in Baltimore. There's still no pressure. From Japan, shout-out to Trevor Bauer. He got sent to the base Storm's farm and is getting rocked in the minor leagues. Karma's undefeated. Karma's undefeated. And last but not least, bit of an anecdote here. We went to camp. One of my division mates uh, was Jake Mervis. And we called him Nervous Mervis. It rolls off the tongue. Not many words rhyme with Nervous or Mervis. And the Cubs Friday, Phillies broadcast Friday. Uh, Matt Mervis, the first baseman, got eaten up by a grounder. And the play was, play-by-play call was, knocked down by Mervis. Boy, he looked nervous, and boy, did I have a big shit-eating grin. That's all I got for this week's podcast. Any concluding thoughts on your end? Happy Memorial Day, um, and we're going to chalk this up under have fun, do your barbecues, party, but remember why we're celebrating the holiday as well. Take some time to remember the troops. Yeah, I was asked to – Simon asked me to do him a favor, and then he said ask the audience on the show. Should I look after his dog this weekend? Here? I, I don't think here. I think I'll just go to his. What kind of dog? It's a small dog. It's like a chihuahua something mix. He's a really well-behaved dog. It's going to be our last weekend in the apartment, and you're leaving to take care of a dog? I mean, that's, that's my sad voice. That's why I'm asking. Um, it's up to you, to be honest. The follow-up was, did you want to go to the Yankee game Sunday? Because if you're watching... I guess the question is how, how labor-intensive. Like how much do you have to walk, look after the dog? Like that's He leaves the dog at home during the day, right? Yeah, but I don't know how long his roommates are there. I should probably ask him a bunch of questions. Yeah, ask some questions. You love to play 20 questions. Ask the proper follow-ups. I would say do what you got to do, man. I owe him drinks so much. You think this is going to be out of the drinks? Yes. Where's he going? In Florida. To do what? Uh, he's on a trip with his girlfriend. So you would be doing him. Where's his roommates? See, these are the questions you got to ask. I, he said one of his roommates was going to do it, but they bailed. Which makes me think that them bailing means they're not going to be in the apartment. Yeah. Because if they're in the apartment, then he's... Well, you have a lot of friends in the building, so... That is true. You, you could figure it out. Uh, if you're going to the Yanks game Wednesday, Thursday, or Sunday, I will be there. 
Um, pop culture notes for me, for any fans of Always Sunny, which is coming back soon. See the movie Blackberry. Um, it's not only a good history lesson. You never had a Blackberry, did you? No. Me either. It honestly made me feel really shitty that I never had a Blackberry, in fact. Uh, but Glenn Howerton basically plays a real-life Dennis Reynolds for two hours. If you love Dennis, see this movie. And I'm seeing my favorite band Friday. And that makes me happy. No other way to say that. Gaslight Anthem, Paramount Theater. This Friday, great way to kick off a holiday weekend. Stay safe out there. Stay upright. Don't have too much fun. Enjoy the day off Monday. With Bryce Holman, my name is Jason Bedorsky. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great day.